We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Candlestick Chronicles, the 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name's Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. Kyle Madsen of NinersWire.com and 95.7 The Game is here back with me. Kyle, what's happening? Oh, you know, hanging out. Excited to be home for the weekend. I've been having, yeah, I've been having to go into work. And so like... My girlfriend's been just sitting at home alone, <laughs> and uh, and I feel bad. So during the weekend, I get to get some stuff done around the house. Um, I mentioned on Twitter that I have an office now. I'm recording this from a desk, which is which is great. And we're gonna finish up the office this weekend. I'm gonna do some yard work, you know, homeowner awesome. stuff. Yeah. So before <laughs> you had the office. Uh, you did a super awkward thing by like recording pods laying down. Yeah, I'd, I'd which I can never really floor, understand. Yeah, sit on the floor and then lay on the floor. It's just more comfortable for me. Okay, I guess because I didn't really have a place to sit, so that was just the most comfortable way to to pod for me. Yeah, interesting. Well, so we're recording this. Uh, it's currently eight fourteen on Friday night. I have completed a virtual happy hour with some of my friends. Um, so I'm a few beverages in, uh, which Woo-hoo! is not something that we normally do for the podcast. We try to keep it very professional. Um, but given the circumstances and just the way things are going, um, we're kind of letting loose a little bit. 
Somebody we're, said that life right now is just constantly like being in an airport. Where yeah. you just don't know what time it is and normal like time constraints like, hey, I can't have a burger at 8 a.m. But in an airport, like kind of you can. Right. I feel like that's how life is right now. I had a very weird day today because my roommates and I did the thing where we all went to different targets around Santa Clara and San Jose. So I have two other roommates. So we hit three targets um, at the same time as they opened to ensure that we get like the household essentials because that's been kind of a difficult task. So I've been under quarantine for I think today's day 17. Um, and I hadn't bought in toilet paper and, uh, bought in is not a word, but, it's not, um, but that's fine. <laughs> I hadn't purchased any toilet paper. And so today was the first time and it was surreal, like being there. So I, so getting to target, first of all, it's 35 degrees, which is very odd for March. I think the weather would be more of a talking point if we weren't dealing with a major pandemic right now. Yeah, correct. But so I get to target at 7am It opens at eight. I'm the fourth person in line. I'm standing in line. I have a mask, the whole thing. I'm listening to a podcast on some on some earbuds. And uh, by the time the store opens, there are like 200 people behind me. Like, there's a line with six about six feet of space between every person going all the way from the entrance of the target I'm at to the road, which feels like a third of a mile away. And then as soon as it opens... Like, there's the manager in front of us being like, all right, maintain six feet of distance, uh, only one item per person, whatever. And nobody people, did that. Nobody did it. And people are <laughs> rushing to the hand sanitizer. You can only get one little travel-sized bottle of Purell, and everybody is sprinting towards a Purell. No one's caring about the six feet, and I'm getting, like, really stressed out. I'm like, this is... This is insane. Right. You're not a crowds guy to begin with. I'm not a crowds guy to begin with. Crowds give me anxiety. And when everybody in a crowd is exhibiting that kind of anxiety, I'm like, no, this is not my scene. So I was able to get uh, a pack of toilet paper, thankfully, um, a pack of disinfectant wipes and some tissues uh, and then some other regular generic stuff. But it was like a harrowing thing. Like I never experienced it like that like humanity is just in a completely different place right now um and it kind of screwed me up for the whole day like i came home and fell asleep uh after waking up early and it was just like once i woke up i was just in a funk and in a fog so i once my friends were like hey let's have a virtual happy hour and start drinking i was like yeah yeah let's do that i, I badly need to do that and then uh and then i was reminded that i needed to record a podcast so that's what i did but that's what we're doing i guess that's great i love that are you still wearing your mask I'm not wearing my mask. I'm not wearing the jersey either. There's a there's another oh, jer man. a baseball jersey story too. So it's an outstanding. Yeah, no, drop that on us. So last night, because baseball's opening day was supposed to be Thursday of this week, my roommates and I had planned to like do a opening day barbecue and uh, celebrate the start of baseball season. But so we put it off a night, and so we did that tonight. So we grilled a bunch of hot dogs and sausages and other stuff that you would typically grill. And we're all wearing baseball jerseys. And I realized I'm an A's fan. And I didn't have an A's jersey I used to have. And I must have donated it. You just realized today that you were an A's fan? No, I just realized that <laughs> I donated the jersey. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm looking through and my closet. And the, the only jersey I have that I actually f would want to wear is this customized Mets 
uh, jersey with Biederman on the back, number 24. And it's from 1986 because my dad went to Mets fantasy camp in Florida doing the thing where you can, like, go be in, like, you know, pretend spring training with the Mets if you just want to, like, go pay for it. And so my dad did that and got this jersey and somehow it still fits and it's like not comfortable at all. It's very, very tight or around like the love handle area, which I, which is an area that I'm, I'm probably struggling in. Hey, currently. preach to the choir, bud. <laughs> so, but I do have a pretty sweet 1986 customized number 24 Mets jersey with like the elastic piping down the sides. And it's not a, it's not a typical baseball jersey with like buttons down the middle. It's like a shirt. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, like Daryl Strawberry you can check it on era. My yeah. So that's what I've been up to on Friday. Man, that's incredible. It's weird. We're we're so, living. Dude, in weird it's time. such a it's such a weird like. I thought at some point we would. It feels like six months ago we did that podcast about how the NFL and the 49ers were reacting to COVID nineteen, and that was like yeah. two weeks ago. Right. And. Every time I thought like have a, like I've I don't want it to seem like I'm not taking this seriously because I am. But I keep thinking like, all right, another week of this, and then you know, the, everything will magically be fine. And that's like this fantasy that I've made up in my head. And logically I know that's not true, but for a while that's just kind of how I was operating, I think. And yeah. And so I was like, man, these are weird times, but you know, kind of we'll be back. And now it just like, it's slowly like sinking in that, no, this is the beginning of what's set to probably be a very long process. And the new normal, quote unquote, was like a joke, I feel like for a while, like, oh, new normal, we're doing radio shows from home. But no, that might actually be the new normal for like the foreseeable future. And that's really been setting in for me this week. Yeah, I, I've sort of come to grips with the fact that, like, we're probably not going to have any NFL offseason, which means no OTAs in May and June. Um, obviously, no rookie mini camp in May, which is typically right after the draft, uh, which is going to be in late April, of course. So in my head, I've already sort of predetermined that the earliest that we could actually have NFL stuff happening on practice fields is going to be when training camp starts in July. And that's a really long time from now. And if that's the case, we're looking at, I mean, we're recording this at the end of March, like two or three months of just this quarantine stuff still going. And and that's just a net, like a feeling I have um, based on everything I'm reading. I'm, I'm trying to stay as up to date as possible without driving myself crazy. And, and it's kind of a a balance you you struggle with and I think I'm probably not the only one struggling with that balance is like trying to maintain sanity and normalcy while also being up to date on the news but it's just a reality like we're gonna have to settle in here yeah. um yeah absolutely. so yeah so fortunately I mean for you and I we've had uh the NFL to talk about a little bit and the new league year starting and free agency starting so um we did want to take an opportunity uh in this pod to answers just some random questions on Twitter, which I know you've been keeping up on. Um, but before we do that, there is some free agency news, which we didn't hit on in the podcast that we recorded earlier this week with Danny Kelly, who um, I thought it was a really, really good pod, particularly, you know, having being able to have Danny on and, and have him sort of 
explain um, or analyze, break down uh, a lot of the 49ers options in the first round of the draft. So if you haven't gone back and listened to that one, I highly recommend it. Um, This one is going to be, I mean, real quick, we're just going to kind of go through the news and and where the 49ers roster stands really quick uh, before we get to the questions. So obviously we've talked about DeForest Buckner being gone, traded to the Colts for the number 13th pick. Um, other free agents who, or other players who have left, who were on the 49ers last year, you have tight end Levine Toilolo signed with the Giants probably earlier than I would have expected him to be, get taken off the market. Yeah, and like a three-year deal, too. Yeah, like, I, I, he was a very good run blocker, but um, typically run blocking tight ends don't don't get snatched up, like they're not in high demand like that, so Levine Toilolo going to the Giants that early... Well, uh, given given how good Caden Smith was for them, maybe they're just scooping up any Niners tight end they can. That's very possible. <laughs> very possible. Um, Mike Person, starting right guard, is gone. So he's the second starter on offense to leave, uh, joining Emmanuel Sanders, who signed with the Saints uh, exactly a week ago. So clearly the 49ers need a receiver, which we all expected. Um, Sheldon Day, defensive tackle, joined DeForest Buckner on the Colts which is a little bit interesting because Day would have been a, a guy that the 49ers could have kept in the mix to replace Buckner. Um, so he's gone. Uh, Anthony Zettel signs with the Vikings defensive end who was brought on late in the year after Demontre Moore um, broke his forearm. Uh, Sanders is gone. Elijah Lee today signed with the Detroit Lions, a, not a backup huge linebacker. What's that? I said not a huge surprise. The Niners non-tendered him, so... Yeah, they didn't... Yeah, so, uh, guys, they brought back. Eric Armstead, he obviously got that new uh, new contract sign- signing for $17 million, uh per year over the next five years. Jimmy Ward, three years, what, $28 million? Is that right? Yeah, three, 28 and a half. 28 and a half. Okay, Kendrick Bourne and Matt Breida, restricted free agents who were both tendered. It's more likely than not that they're back. They're given second round tenders. So a team would have to give up a second round draft pick in compensation if they wanted to sign them, which I have a hard time seeing happen. Uh, Ronald Blair, the third is back, which is good news for the 49ers. Only question there for the backup defensive end is whether or not he's going to be ready for training camp after uh, tearing his ACL in November. So the 49ers have not given an update on his potential availability, but he has started running and rehabbing. So it'll be interesting to see when he comes back because he could be an important player along the, uh, the defensive line. Offensive lineman Sean Coleman, who entered last year, is probably the favorite to win the swing tackle job. He broke his, uh, he fractured his ankle the first, I think it was the first or second series of the preseason opener against the yeah, Cowboys. Yeah, think that's the first one, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and so he missed the entire season, but he's somebody who started a full season with the Browns before the 49ers acquired him. Um, and the 49ers think he could develop into a potential starter uh, with Joe Staley's age obviously getting up there. You know, the 49ers are, are going to keep an eye on guys who could potentially replace him. Not saying Coleman will or can be that guy, um, but it's an option the 49ers are, are keeping open. So with Sean Coleman, Daniel Brunskill, and Justin School coming back next year, the 49ers should have some decent depth. Um, on, you know, as a, uh, for, you know, their backup offensive lineman is, looks like it's, it's going to be a pretty good group. Um, Jarek McKinnon, I'm only including him here because you could look at him as a, as basically a free agent because 
of, you know, the Niners were not going to bring him back on that contract and pay him six, seven, eight million, whatever he was due for 2020. Right. They redid his contract, essentially paying him the, the veteran minimum. So he'll be back uh, competing for a roster spot. If healthy, McKinnon could be very good. So um, offensive or sorry, players outside free agents added. Can I uh, guys, before you before you go that direction? Can I real quick say something about Matt Breida? Yes. So Breida over the last seven games had 23 carries and he fumbled three times in his final 17 carries and didn't touch the field during the Super Bowl. And so going into the offseason, I was a little uh, not not confused, but I was I was just kind of wondering what they would do with him because it looked like he had fallen so far out of favor and they had all these other options of running back. But they placed that second round tender on him, which is which is a pretty sizable number. I think it's like three point two million or something. Basically saying like, hey, they want to keep this guy, and they're gonna really make a team pay up if they wanna if they wanna sign him. And the 49ers on Friday, which is when we're recording this, posted a video of his run against the Browns, the touchdown on the first play, the first offensive play from scrimmage. And it just really became apparent why they wanted to keep him around because Demarius Randall, the safety, just totally had the angle on him. Look and at Brita the just, wheels on Brita. Yeah, dude, classic <laughs> test call. Uh, and Brita just pulled away from him in a way that you just don't like see NFL players pull away from other NFL players, especially when they have an angle like that. So that run was the fastest uh, run of any ball carrier yeah. this season. It was 22.5. Three miles that is now, I think. so fast. I remember like, watching it live. There are a few plays from the season that stick out yeah, to me watching yeah. live, and that was definitely one of them. Because as soon as Brita turned the corner, you're just like, "Oh, see ya!" <laughs> yeah, then it was, he was. I mean, way it was gone. just a blowout from then on. And and just that that run was just such a reminder because, like I said, he he finished the season kind of with a thud, but he still averaged over five yards a carry, and he's done that over the last two years on like 260 plus carries. He's a he's really good, and I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities again this year. And that run against the Browns and the way he pulled away from Randall was just a reminder of why the 49ers did that, even though he didn't get a lot of work towards the end of the year. Anyways, he, just wanted to say that. Yeah, there was there were some trade rumors surrounding Burrito last offseason, and his stock was probably higher then. Um, I, I think the Philadelphia Eagles have been mentioned as a team for him. At least last year they were. So uh, I... I I think he's going to be back. I mean, if if you're if you're running it back with Tevin Coleman, um, Jarek McKinnon, Brita, and Mostert, I, I think that's a pretty solid group. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if the 49ers drafted a running back or brought in yeah. another undrafted guy along with Jeff Wilson Jr. to uh, to compete compete for playing time. We'll we'll have to see how that goes because the 49ers still could technically clear some space. By, by moving on from Coleman, but they, they obviously haven't yet, so clearly they feel good enough um, about his status going into 2020 to keep him around to this point. So, um, outside free agents, the team has added. Tom Compton, sort of a journeyman throughout his entire career. I think the Niners are his sixth team in the last six seasons, so probably not somebody you can bank on to start, but you could have said the same thing about Mike Person uh, when he joined the team before 2018, so maybe Compton can can curry favor with the coaching staff. He was drafted with Washington when Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator there. So 
There's familiarity, obviously. Uh, linebacker Joe Walker, somebody who started a lot of games last year for the Arizona Cardinals, taking over the spot for Hassan Riddick, a former first-round draft pick. Um, Walker's a really good special teams player. Obviously, getting a lot of starting experience last year helps him. I think he's essentially going to be the fourth linebacker, like the first guy off the bench if um, if Quan Alexander, Fred Warner, or uh, Dre Greenlaw were to get hurt and probably going to be a sp- core special teams guy. So he'll be in the mix with the Aziz yeah. Alshire uh, for that fourth uh, linebacker spot. Uh, defensive end, pass rusher, Kerry Hyder, somebody who uh, used to play for the Detroit Lions and a uh, a guy who played under Chris Kasurik, the 49ers' current defensive ends coach. So that makes sense. Wide receiver, Travis Benjamin, pretty interesting. A, a really fast guy, a small guy who has a lot of similarities sort of to, to Marquise Goodwin, in my opinion. And so the 49ers have not cut or traded or you know done anything with Marquise Goodwin as of yet. But to me, Travis Benjamin is sort of in the same spot as Marquise Goodwin, so to speak. Like the, I think they're competing directly with each other. And I don't know that either is necessarily guaranteed a roster spot if they stick around throughout the summer, but um, could be an interesting sort of fringe roster battle going on between those guys. I wouldn't count on them as being heavy contributors at this point. And, yeah. you know, particularly if the 49ers add a receiver to in the NFL draft. I want to jump back to Kerry Hyder real quick. Um, and again, none of these guys they've signed are like surefire locks to contribute in any kind of significant way. But I think it's worth noting that Hyder had eight sacks in 2018 in kind of a breakout year under, as you mentioned, Kasurik. Uh The following year, he tore his Achilles in training camp or the preseason, I forget, but he tore his Achilles before the year. And kind of bounced around since then and had a decent year for the Cowboys last year just as a rotational defensive lineman. I'm really interested to see what he does and if he's able to work his way into a significant role uh, in the rotation. So when you talk about these free agents they brought in, you know, no huge names. But uh, if you're you're looking for one of those free agents to kind of watch and possibly step in as a as a significant contributor, I'm I'm circling Kerry Hyder because. I, I want to see what he does a few years removed from that Achilles under Kosurik again. Yeah, and the uh, and the Niners are in a spot where, and I think you could say this about Joe Walker too, like if you're a good team, you can probably get guys who are who might start on like bad teams. Um, but you could if you're a good team, you could probably get those kind of guys to come in on short-term contracts and then a year from now be like, all right, I spent a year in this system surrounded by these players absorbing everything from this coaching staff, and now I'm even more attractive on the free agent market. Like, Hyder and and, uh, Walker could be two guys that that sort of fall into that, that give the 49ers pretty valuable depth in the meantime, and, and we'll have to see, obviously. Um, but yeah, to your point, I don't think any of these guys are surefire starters. Even Tom Compton, probably going to be behind Daniel Brunskill on the initial depth chart. And, and there is a possibility to the 49ers add a guard in the draft, maybe uh, as early as 13th overall, somebody who you know played tackle in college who they think could start. And again, we talked about all these, these types of uh, prospects in uh, the podcast with Danny Kelly of The Ringer earlier in the week. So be, fr- be sure to check that out. We're going to have a um, lot of draft content. 
We are. We are. Um, but before we get, so I, I guess that's actually that that's sort of the football content we wanted to hit on early in this pod. Well, the 49ers content, anyways. There's a few. Uh, you put on an APB for questions, football or otherwise. Uh-huh. We got some. We actually got some football questions in here, so we'll we'll jump back to the the 49ers at some point. But we also got some non 49ers questions that I'm very excited to talk about. Okay. Let, well, before we get to those, let's take a quick break to to talk about Bet Online. I love Bet Online. So, with currently no NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Wrong. Our exclusive exclusive partner, BetOnline, still has hundreds of sports events and games to wager on. Or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. A casino that you can be at in your underwear. Yes. Like at home. At home. Um, (laughs) All open 24 hours a day and all online including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into prop bets and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol stock prices, and even the weather. Visit BetOnline's website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Okay, so I don't have the questions up. I saw there were some good ones. I know... I did have at least one answer sort of prepared. Um, Do you want to start for, but why with don't you that fire one? away with the first question? Do you want to start with the one that we're going to argue over? Sure. Oh, I was hoping you'd say no. I want to finish with that one. I'm going to go left to right with on my that. Well, just, just fire away with your question. And, okay, and great. We'll, we'll see how uh, uh, Chris after four beers does. This is outstanding. Uh, I had like half a bottle of port left. And I've nearly finished it since the time we've started this podcast. So we're really rocking now. Perfect. Um, and I'll make sure to drink water because it has a lot of sugar in it. Big dessert uh, wine guy. <laughs> I, I, I love a port. I was not a big port guy for a long time, but I, I, I dig a port now. Anyways, it's because my tastes are more refined. Mm-hmm. Taylor Garcia on Twitter <laughs> says, and this will have to be you because I do not travel with the team you do. Uh, well, not with the team you you travel for your job covering the, you get it which, in the same cities as the team is right right which away stadium on the 2020 schedule has the best food and okay. i can get the i can get the 49ers road opponents up for you if you would like and i okay think, i have them I, 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 I do have uh i think i can answer this one can i take a guess okay is it gonna be new orleans i mean s- so here's the thing: when you're talking food in NFL games, I mean for me, oh, press Dallas box food is large is largely the same. Um, like it's all sort of buffet style and and sort of basic. Oh, you're taking uh, act- literal. Oh, you're saying literal stadium. Okay, okay, okay. I thought. Are, I was are we talking city. towns? I think he means literal stadium. So. Yeah, I mean the thing is there there isn't really like cuisine at NFL stadiums that really stands right. out right. from others. So why don't we just do towns? Okay. Yeah, I feel I think like towns would be better. I feel so so Arizona you've been to. Yeah. Arizona the, the food scene in Arizona is okay. Yeah, you've lived there, so you probably I, know better yeah. than me. Dude, La Santissima, free plug for them. If you're ever in Phoenix and want tacos, La Santissima is the best. Uh, what about Dallas? I've actually had food in Dallas as well, and the barbecue there is really good. Yeah, the barbecue is good. It's it's not the best barbecue I've had, but you sure. can get good barbecue in Dallas. 
Okay. Um, I forget the name of the place I went to. I mean, there are places. Did you go in to Dallas Pecan Lodge? Get the. What's that? I went to Pecan Lodge while I was in Dallas, and Pecan Lodge was really good. Okay. They're that place that's like, hey, we're open until four or until we run out of stuff, and they're never open until four. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. Um, so the Niners play at Dallas, at New England, at New Orleans, uh, Rams, Cardinals, Seahawks, and both New York teams. Huh. So, uh, pretty, pretty good food cities. I mean, New York is New York. Yeah, really it's one strong. of the food capitals of the world. So that's good news. Um, if you're, if you're have going you, have to. Have you covered a game in New York yet? I have. Okay. I have a bad story. Not a not a bad story. Oh, was I mean, that the a, year? Was that the year they lost on the touchdown pass to the random tight end? Yeah, I think it was. It was either Sunday night or a Monday night game. Yeah, I think I think it was. Uh, I'm gonna go look that up. Keep going. Yeah, it was 2015, and so here's the thing that really stinks if you're an NFL writer uh, or a beat writer covering a team, particularly a West Coast team, when you go to the East Coast and play a primetime game, that game starts at 8.30 local time. Yeah, that was Sunday night. Niners it's, lost 30 to 27. Yeah, I think it was it was either a last-second touchdown yeah, pass. Yeah, 21 or, or seconds left to Larry Donnell. Yeah, 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 that's right. Navarro Bowman had probably his worst game as a pro in that one. Um, So that was... I made the mistake, because I was like... I was still blogging about the team at that point. I wasn't a, a beat writer who went to every single game. Mm-hmm. so I that was my first time or maybe my second time but anyway I was inexperienced and, and just did not schedule my travel in an intelligent way so the Giants play in New Jersey um, I don't know if anybody knows that but they play in New Jersey which is south of New York what um, get out of town Kennedy Airport which is where I flew out of uh, is north of, of Manhattan in Queens so it's probably two hours away if you were to like try to drive or take a cab from um, from the Meadowlands where the Giants play to Kennedy. Uh, so as as a inexperienced traveling writer, I booked my flight. I had like a six a.m. flight out of Kennedy the morning after the game, which wound up ending at like twelve o'clock or one. And I was in the press box till like two thirty. Had a hell of a time just even getting back to Manhattan with like an Uber or cab or whatever. Um, I basically didn't sleep. So that was the first time I pulled an all-nighter to like cover a game and then travel the morning after. Oh, brutal. Brutal. Like just in bad shape. Like my stories <laughs> coming out of that sucked. Like the game from a 49ers standpoint sucked. Um, so no, I hey, learned. Actually, I'm going to stand in front of that game because in a season where they went 5-11, uh, and 11, that was actually a decent game to be at. Thirty yeah. to twenty-seven, last second, last second uh, loss. There were worse losses to be at. I'm just that's saying. true. So was that a Monday night game? Sunday night. Sunday night. Okay, so I remember I got a ride from Manhattan with some other writers covering the game. I think it was Marcus Thompson and um, Ann Killian and maybe Matt Barrows. We all we all shared a car to get out to the Meadowlands, and we got out there early because we wanted to beat the mid afternoon traffic. So I think we got there at like three or four and the game didn't start till eight thirty. And I've never felt like I've been in a press box longer before a game. And so <laughs> it was like, by the time the game started, it was like already tired. Like the day felt over and yeah, it started at eight thirty, So that's to be expected. But anyway, um, back to the question, New York, great food town. 
Uh, Arizona, not so much. Seattle, really good food town. New Orleans is probably the best food town on the list. If you want to travel to a 49ers road game in 2020, just purely based on food, yeah. I mean, New Orleans is the is is probably the best road city in the league to go to, in my opinion. Um, so I, th- I, I think that answers the spirit of the question. I can't really answer which stadium has the best food um, because I only eat in... Uh, I've only eaten in press boxes, and and all the press box food is typically the same, except Tampa. Tampa does uh, Bananas Foster at halftime. Get out of town. Which is probably the best thing I've had in in a press box. That's bananas. Right? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Good work. Thanks, man. Uh, What's the next question? Next question. I might actually travel to Seattle this year. Depending on when that game is, I might roll up there. You should. So yeah, okay. it's, I've it's never a covered time. a game. I, on the I road. love Niner Seahawks games. They're they're a ton of fun. Yeah, no doubt. All right, uh, Brian Williams, not NBC's Brian Williams. Okay, I think. Anyways, what is the most memorable moment you watched live? Does not have to be the most important. Not a clip or a highlight, but one you watched unfold in real time. His was Terrell Owens signing the football in uh, Seattle. The most memorable moment. Can I give you mine? Yeah. Uh, while the Vernon Davis catch against the Saints immediately jumped to mind, the other one that really stands out, and the one I think stands out more for being a singular moment, was the Navarro Bowman pick six at Candlestick, uh, mm-hmm. or at the, at the final game at Candlestick. Because the Vernon Davis catch was like a culmination of a long drive, and then all they needed was a field goal to tie it. And then they scored the touchdown. I was like, oh, wow, that's amazing. And it was incredible. But the Navarro Bowman play was so unexpected and so out of nowhere and such a perfect way to close Candlestick. And uh, being there with my mom was really cool uh, just because we had gone to so many games together and stuff. Uh, So that that is the one that stands out to me um, as, as one I watched live that that i'll definitely take with me for for a long long time that's a good one that's a very good one i was actually so at candlestick that that was my first year covering the team Mm -hmm. and at candlestick they would allow media members to go down onto the field within five minutes left of the fourth quarter and watch from there because you basically had to cross the field to get to the locker rooms Right. Because they were, if you remember the baseball setup and how it relates to the yeah. football field, they were sort of down the right field line. So there was really no way to like be in the press box as the game ended and then get to the locker room for all the post-game stuff on time. So I was actually on the field and Bowman's oh, that's interception happened like right in front of me. Um, it was wild. It was, it was super memorable too. Uh, for me though, it's an... Uh, people might think I'm lying and, and that's fine, but the most memorable moment for me, and people might say I'm lying because I was six years old, or actually no, seven years old, um, the 1995 championship game, it was for the 1994 season against the Dallas Cowboys, the, the play I remember the most from that game because it sort of just set everything in motion was the very first series, I want to say it was the first series, I hope it was the first series. Um, Eric Davis intercepted Troy Aikman for a pick six and candlestick was just like completely lit, like for the whole game after that. 
Yeah. Um, and it just sort of set the tone and it was just an incredible scene. It was like both the Niners and Cowboys, obviously great rivalry. Um, the Cowboys were wearing their awesome throwback uniforms and Niners were wearing their throwbacks. Oh, Steve Young, plus. Jerry Rice, Emmitt Smith, Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin. There were um, so many Hall of Famers in that game. <laughs> yeah, just an incredible, incredible game. And obviously, Bryant Young's rookie year? Yeah. Yeah, and that was Man. one of those games sort of similar to probably next on my list would be the Niners-Seahawks NFC title game after yeah. the 2013 season, um, which I was actually working as a writer. Uh, but that one in 1995 was just incredible because you knew that the winner of that game was probably going to win the Super Bowl. And the 49ers yeah. did by just completely stomping out the Chargers. Um, but it was just an epic thing. It was like, it's it was sort of the peak of Candlestick to me growing up. And like, there were fans, you know, Emmett Smith had a hamstring issue. So somebody, one of the fans walking around the, uh, the stadium had a sign that said, see Emmett's hamstring. And he had like a pork chop that he sort of like tore in half. Like on on a Good string, Lord. hanging from the sign, just completely ruthless. <laughs> oh my so, god! Yeah, it was just awesome. There was a whole bunch of stuff like that. So that that's the one. Um, I mean, I'll never forget that game and sort of what it did for my fandom because I was you know seven year old kid at like right yeah the the peak of um you know the impressionable sports fan stage of like of, of your course. life. So. I think that that 94 team is really like the reason why I started to like football. And so, uh, you know, my parents were like going through a divorce. So like my dad got season tickets that year. And that's sort of like how we um, how we sort of coped or dealt whatever with the situation. And so uh, that was that was the the seeding of my um, I don't know if seeding is the right word. That's probably a bad word. But that was the the genesis of my of my sports fandom. Yeah, that game. And so I'll, I'll always remember that one. Next question. Uh, we'll stick with football, and then we'll go to two non-football ones to close it out. Um, okay. Randy asks, how come we are so sure who the 49ers are getting at 13, and last year it was a coin flip on who they would pick at number two? I'm not sure Can at I, all who they're taking at 13. Yeah, I wanna, I'm, I'm going to kind of pull that question back because uh, I feel like last year it was – all but a foregone conclusion they were taking Bosa at 13. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And or, or not at 13 but at, at 2. Mm-hmm. And this year it's like there you could tell me that there are 10 different players they'd take and I would I would buy any of them. Yeah. Or you could totally tell me they were going to trade back or trade like I just I have no clue what direction they're going to go. So I I am not sure what what Randy's seeing is who they're for sure going to take. Uh, but I think you would need to flip several coins to figure out who they're going to take this year. Here's my top four. Like the, the guys I've sort of established at Have 13. you tweeted this? Is this breaking? Sure. It can be okay. breaking. Whatever. I mean, it's, you know, it's a news dump. So it's Friday night. So a lot of Friday <laughs> night news dumps that happen. Um, so guys... Like I think uh, I I think about it from the standpoint of like guys they would draft that I would give like an A or like a B plus grade right. Um, there are four guys for me: uh, Jerry Judy, receiver from Alabama. I just think his route running 
and the type of receiver he is is absolutely perfect for Kyle Shanahan, uh, particularly as a pl- replacement for Emmanuel Sanders. So he's number one for me. Um, number number two is Tristan Wirfs, the offensive lineman from Iowa. Uh, the Niners love Iowa guys. This guy is the Iowaist of Iowa guys. Like he's just like George Kittle in terms of Iowa guyness, which the 49ers like, if that makes sense. Um, he will eventually play tackle probably right tackle and then you can move Mike McGlinchey to the left side once Joe Staley retires in the meantime I think Wirfs would be an outstanding right guard uh in place of Mike Person so I think Wirfs would be a slam dunk pick um Javon Kinlaw defensive tackle South Carolina I think he's the most DeForest Buckner like prospect in this class he's not as good as Buckner was coming out but I think he has a Buckner like ceiling and uh and I think it would you know, trading Buckner, getting the 13th pick, getting Javon Kinlaw on a much cheaper deal than the $21 million a year that Buckner's getting in Indy. Um, I think Kinlaw would make a ton of sense. And a guy, here's the fourth one, the guy that I've really, really liked the more I've watched, who I just think the ceiling is incredibly high and would just completely terrorize opposing defenses because he would be paired with Kyle Shanahan as Henry Ruggs. And the receiver from Alabama who ran a four to whatever forty. I, I'm at the combine. I don't even really four, care two, about what he I ran. Think. Yeah, he's well, super fast. He's fat. Like he's so. We were talking about this before we started recording. Um, Marquise Goodwin's fast. Like he's a four Very two guy fast. who's fast, and yeah. he scares you from a speed standpoint when he's on the field. But he's not like. He doesn't play as fast as he runs. Um, he's not he's not as dynamic as his speed would suggest. Like he can beat you on a straight line, but he doesn't necessarily have the dexterity to where yeah, his speed could beat you from any angle or any direction or any situation. Yeah, football he, speed. Yeah, like you watch Henry Ruggs, and the thing that's completely insane about his speed is he gets to top speed. In two steps. So, like, he will come into the league as probably one of the two or three fastest players in the NFL. But, like, you watch him in college, and if he has any sort of space, he's just gone. And so, to me, you think about what Kyle Shanahan is able to do, particularly, like, think about George Kittle's season in 2018, how he broke that the, the record for tight ends with 1,388 receiving yards. A lot of that was scheme because Kyle Shanahan's play design got Kittle in position to make long, big plays. Thinking about what Henry Ruggs could do with his 4-2 speed and just his absolutely absurd acceleration and what he could do in the open field, to me, like... If I'm an if I'm an opposing offensive coordinator and I'm trying to defend Kyle Shanahan's offense, knowing how much the 49ers like to run the ball, if you put Henry Ruggs on the outside, like that would be completely insane to me. Like I I think Ruggs would, and there's also the possibility that like Ruggs, you know, might be a guy his rookie season where he's not contributing a whole lot because he only gets two or three touches a game because it can be hard for a receiver to ingratiate himself into the league and learn the offense and all of that stuff in his rookie year. But like the ceiling for rugs, like imagine throwing um, Tyree kill Tyree yeah, kill. Ahead, imagine yeah. putting Tyree kill in the 49ers offense with Kyle Shanahan. Like 
That's what Ruggs is, but I think Ruggs is better than Tyreek Hill, or he will be better than Tyreek Hill. So getting Ruggs, like, just a guy who can score anytime he touches a ball is completely terrifying. And I think Judy is a better player. Like I would, if, if both were on the board, I would go Judy. Yeah. But I think Ruggs might have a higher ceiling than Judy just because of the different dynamic he adds. Like it's the difference between having uh Tyreek Hill and Emmanuel Sanders. Like you, like, Emmanuel Sanders might end up having a longer and more stable career than Tyreek Hill, but Tyreek Hill's highs are going to be right. are going to be higher than Sanders, and that's sort of how I look at Ruggs and Judy. Um, both would be great players, but to me, Ruggs has a higher ceiling, but Judy is a sure bet. If that makes sense. No, it it it, it makes a lot of sense, and when you look at some of the stuff that Kyle Shanahan was able to do with Debo Samuel this year. Consider the fact that Debo Samuel was like a four five, like a high mid to high four five forty guy, and Ruggs is a sub four three guy, right. and that's just it's it's very enticing. I, I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, it's very enticing to consider um, Henry Ruggs in in the 49ers offense. Can I talk about CD Lamb real quick? Yeah, quick sidebar though. Okay. is what's crazy about that Alabama receiving core is that they have two guys coming back this year, Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith, who might actually be better than the Judy Ruggs duo. Yeah. And that's wild. Uh, CeeDee Lamb, quickly. CeeDee Lamb. I don't think he's a bad player. I think he's going to be really good. Um, if I'm the 49ers, I'm not picking him 13th or at 13 because I think he's sort of du- duplicate duplicative is that a word duplicative of uh that's a word i'm a professional journalist duplicative yeah no that's right um duplicative of debo samuel so i think he's a guy who is really good at the quick game who you get the ball in his hands and he's really good after the catch and he's good at contested catches but to me he's not replacing Emmanuel Sanders in the way that you ideally want to replace Emmanuel Sanders with a guy who has a similar skill set, who's a route runner, who can get open downfield, um, who sort of complements Debo Samuel. I think he replicates what you already have with Debo Samuel. And so I think you're sort of handcuffing Jimmy Garoppolo's development if you don't give him a more explosive natural route runner, somebody who can get open on third down, you know, third and eight, um, who's, who's going to, break off coverage. I think Lamb could eventually be that guy, but I think if you're drafting him to be that guy, I think you're making a mistake. And I think for the 49ers, they already have Debo Samuel. Yeah. So I don't know that they necessarily need that guy. I would rather, if I'm the Niners, I would rather go a different position if Ruggs and Judy are off the board um, with somebody like Wirfs or Kinlaw, if, if those guys are yeah. there, than draft Lamb, because I think you can get receivers later, yeah. and I think it would be a better use of resources to go with a different and, position there than, than take Lamb. And if you're going to get a Debo Samuel type of player, like you might as well wait and draft or trade back and draft like LaVisca Chenault right. from Colorado, who can literally do a bunch of the stuff Debo Samuel can do, whereas I'm not sure CeeDee Lamb can do it. The thing with Lamb is I think he might have the highest ceiling of this group, but I also think he has the lowest full floor of those of those three guys we just talked about. And yeah. that's... that's uh, uh, a scary prospect for the Niners who really need to nail 
uh, this 13th pick since they traded to Fuckner. <laughs> wow. Since they traded DeForest. <laughs> <laughs> since they traded DeForest Buckner to get it. Um, we're going another- to have to mark this episode explicit me. now because i mispronounced the fourth <laughs> <part of his name. laughs> um yeah also i i did a little bit of research uh statistical analysis one could call it um pack or big 12 receivers have not done great in the nfl recently so the the most productive big 12 receiver in the nfl last year was tyler lockett of the seahawks and he was 22nd in receiving yards um, and that's not to say that I think CeeDee Lamb is going to be a bust or not good. I just think it speaks to the fact that watching CeeDee Lamb play in college, it's those defenses he went against were giving him completely different looks that he's going to get in the league. So with CeeDee Lamb, you're going to be projecting his development more so than like being comfortable knowing in what, what he can actually do. Like The thing is with Judy... He did a lot of those complex double double moves and like deep double routes that Emmanuel Sanders did. Like that's that's stuff that you know translates from the jump. CeeDee Lamb is like open on all of his catches, basically. And like, yeah. yeah, he might be a really good route runner, but you watch him play in college, he wasn't getting those man to man looks where he had to win one on one. So anyway, um, let's go let's go to the next question. We just took way too long on that one. Okay, this one is for Tiger King watchers. If you've not watched... Have you watched Tiger King at all yet, Chris? I haven't yet. I know I tweeted about it earlier this week. I have not watched oh, it yet. Oh, man. Brutal. Everybody's okay, telling then, me I need to do it. Then we're we, skipping this. We might need this. to hold off. Okay, let's... Uh, used Goat had a Tiger King question. Um, it's you... The real used Goat is the Twitter handle if you want to go scroll their timeline and find the question. Uh, my answer is Bobcat. Uh, next question. I'll know what that means when I watch it next week. Or maybe yep. this weekend. And, and make sure to ask once you once you get there. Uh, final question. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce our buddy Greg's last name because um, I forgot to ask him when we hung out. <laughs> uh, but it's Greg Moraz or Moroz. Uh, statistician, statistician for the Pac-12 Network. He asks, "Is a hot dog a sandwich?" Chris, you have a take. Yeah. So nobody has ever even thought about a hot dog being a sandwich until whoever came up with this question created that context. Sure. So, no, a hot dog's not a sandwich. Sorry. Like, there's bread and meat, um, but no one has ever been like, "Oh, I'm going to go to a sandwich, and then, or I'm going to go eat a sandwich and and eat a hot dog." That's right. never happened. And no one like goes to a sandwich shop and gets a hot dog. So the only time a hot dog has ever been considered a sandwich is when someone thought up this question and said, oh, this is interesting. It's bread and meat. It's obviously a sandwich. It's not. It's just an argument you can make. Nobody has ever called a hot dog a sandwich until the internet came up and people decided to create a debate about it. So no, hot dog's not a sandwich. I'm with you. And here's... I fully accept the argument if you want to literally define sandwich as meat between bread hot dog is meat hot dog bun is bread boom sandwich i will accept that you can live your life you can you can have that argument i'm giving that to you but here's the deal if i invite you to my house i say hey come over for lunch we're gonna eat sandwiches you say great i love sandwiches you sit down and i put hot dogs down you're gonna be like where are the goddamn sandwiches (laughs) right 
Uh, so right. uh, I'm I'm with you. If you want to literally define a sandwich that way, and you want to call a hot, great, fine. Uh, I am never saying, may I have a sandwich, please? Yeah, the hot dog one in a bun. I'm just going to say I want a hot dog. Do you know why? Because a hot dog is its own thing. Yep. End of pod. <laughs> there's a uh, there's a, a sandwich spot in Sacramento. I think it's a chain, and it's actually called the sandwich spot. That, oh, you know dude, they, great great hangover food. You know what they don't have there? Hot dogs? Hot dogs. Hey, go to, go to Subway. Order a right. hot dog. Yeah, they don't have a f- not a foot long hot dog, right? So, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty definitive. And I'm not like passionate about it. Like, if you if you're one of those people who's very passionate about a hot dog being a sandwich, good for you. Um, it's just not a sandwich for me. So no for me, dog. That's a meme, isn't it? Yeah, Randy Jackson. <laughs> All right. I think that's all we've got. Um, hey, can I add real quick before we end this podcast? Sure. Eagles fans are the worst NFL fan base in America. Let me tell you why. The <laughs> Niners-Seahawks game, week 10, the one the Niners lost on Monday Night Football, was on NFL Network today, and the, a graphic popped up on the screen. I took a picture. I posted it on on, on Twitter. It says, George Kittle, inactive. Robbie Gold, inactive. Weston Richburg, questionable. Emmanuel Sanders, out. DJ Jones, out. And I just said, still unsure how the 49ers lost to the Seahawks in Week 10 because those are all very important players for the 49ers. That's all I was saying. Like, hey, here's why they performed poorly and had their worst game of the year because all these super important players were out. Somehow Eagles Twitter got a hold of it and they're like, ha, look at how many injuries the Eagles had. That's nothing compared to what the Eagles had. Those are rookie numbers. The Eagles had 15 guys. I don't give a shit, Eagles fan. That's not the point. Go back to being miserable. God. <laughs> Philadelphia is such a great city. The worst people. <laughs> okay. I'm done. I was not expecting that. Oh, um, oh, yeah, I would try winning a Super Bowl with your backup quarterback. <laughs> it's not the goddamn point, idiot. Yeah, I don't think you said Niners had it more difficult than the Eagles. I didn't. Sweet. Not once. Right. But the Niners did end up beating the Seahawks week 17. And the one um, that mattered. Right. And the Seahawks end up beating the Eagles in the playoffs. <laughs> so I think we can, although the, through the, the transitive property, <laughs> suggest that the Niners were better than the than the Eagles in 2019. <laughs> okay, but also the Eagles were about, starting... You should tweet that and see how the Eagles fans feel about it. The Eagles were starting their backup quarterback who was 40 and playing on a torn in half hamstring, so... <laughs> like i get it (laughs) um all right well that's all we got i'm gonna go have another beer and i'm so uh, glad this isn't lincoln financial field chronicles (laughs) um it would be like the veteran stadium chronicles yeah veteran veteran yeah yeah fun times um another memorable game uh was niners eagles in i think it was week two in 94 when steve young got benched i remember that one let's do Let's rewatch 49er games and podcast about it. Oh, that's a good idea. It's a great may idea. May or may not have talked about this already. We are. We definitely did. This is my way of teasing it. Chris and yeah. I are going to watch old Niner games and podcast about it. Yeah, that's a good plan. Um, yeah, we should definitely do that. And and uh, it won't quite be like the rewatchables, but it might be similar. I just um, wanna. I just wanna put content out so people aren't getting too excited about Joe Walker. <laughs> All right, let's end it there. Uh, We will talk to you guys next week. 
uh, with more football slash not football related content. And uh, everybody enjoy the weekend. Be safe. Stay inside, please. Um, if you can, uh, talk to your loved ones. Um, and just, uh, you know, we're going to get through this. We're all, we're all going to get through it. And we're going to try to put out some content to help everybody get through it. So we'll talk to you guys next week. Be well. Enjoy your weekend. And uh, have a good one. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.